Hello everyone, it is Ashley. So as many of you know, I posted on my personal social media platforms as well as a FlickPods, just letting everybody know that we were going to do, uh, and we, I mean me, <laughs> I'm gonna do episode on basically what's going on in Ukraine with Russia and how it kind of affects uh, more of the US. And so I also sat down with a close friend of mine who has ties to Ukraine. Uh, and we go over some commentary going over the information that we're about to talk about here. They're on two different episodes. This first one that you're currently listening to, I'm just going to go over information. We're going to talk about terms, names, titles, important things, facts for you to know. And the second one is going to be commentary on this list. Uh, essentially, that's that's what's going on. I will say I tried to keep our opinions to a minimum in the commentary, but we are only human <laughs> and so it happens. And so I encourage you to push through if you hear things that you might not agree with. We don't stay too long on any any topic, but there is good information to be heard. And so I'm going to jump right into the information about where Ukraine's located, how they relate to Russia, what's going on. Okay. So the first country we're going to go over is Ukraine. It's in Eastern Europe. It borders Russia, Belarus, Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova. I will say, I will say that Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and Romania, those are countries that they are NATO countries. Okay. And so we're going to get into what NATO is a little bit down the line. And so because these are NATO countries, Ukraine has some advantages because of this. And so refugees can flee to these NATO countries, which is very advantageous for them. Weapons and resources can be funneled through these countries to Ukraine uh, in their time of need. And so Ukraine is the second largest continent. The capital is Kiev. There's two different spellings. K-I-E-V is uh, the Russian spelling and the Ukrainian spelling is K-Y. IV. Their flag is two equal horizontal parts, blue on top and yellow below. The average elevation is 574 feet above sea level. Central Ukraine has some of the most fertile soil in the world. When I when this first happened, I saw a lot of posts about, oh, Russia wants to take Ukraine because of their fertile soil. There are bigger issues at play, um, but that is a small part of what is going on. The language predominantly spoken is Ukrainian. Russian is an important minority language. On and off again, Russian influence has tried to force the Russian language as the uh, as the official language. While Russia remains Ukraine's most important trade partner, they have trade with Germany, Italy, Poland, and other EU countries. China, Turkey, and U.S. are also on that list of countries that they trade with. So they um, have been expanding economically and trying to trade and be independent for themselves. Their current president is Zelensky, so it's someone that you might be hearing of a lot. The next country that I want to go over, or used to be country, if you will, is the Soviet Union or the USSR, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. How I want you to think about this is the Soviet Union was made up of many countries, one being Russia, right? So it was many republics, right? Socialist republics. The USSR flag may be something that is recognized to you when we explain it, but it's red with a yellow hammer and sickle. It's most recognized synonymously with the revolution of communists, right? So this is something that uh, China adopted as well. And so Mikhail Gorbachev uh, is the former president of the Soviet Union. And so stepping back, let's talk about Russia as a country in itself. They also became independent in 1991, just like Ukraine. 
Their main goal when separating and dissolving the USSR was to build their economy back up. The USSR split was always thought to be temporary. And so this is kind of where President Putin, the current leader of Russia, his long-term vision has always been to reestablish the republics. And so President Putin's grew up during this time where it was dissolved and all of this and and his vision has always been to reestablish the republics and so um, at that time in 1991 Boris Yeltsin was the first elected president of Russia and he suspended activities of the communist party from what I understand and what I've read him suspending these activities um, that appeared to be unexpected and so again the current president of Russia is Putin so you'll hear a lot about him and many many people know of Putin they know that he's kind of not a good guy um and that's really the perception that we have of him is that he's not a good guy uh and so the other thing that I want to go over is date and time um you the EU compared to the U.S. date and times in the EU compared to the U.S. and so you need to understand how it works especially when you're viewing footage CCTV um of things that are happening outside of the U.S. right and you're going to see a lot of that. And people, I think, have been skeptical of some of the footage that they're seeing. I mean, rightly so. But how you need to understand the date and time works is in the U.S., we write the date, month, day, year. Right? So today, currently when I'm recording this, 3, 2, 22. Um, and we use the 12-hour clock, right? So afternoon, it goes to 1, 2, 3, 4 again, right? In the EU, they write the, the day and time with day month and year right so second march 2022 if that makes sense they also use a 24-hour clock so afternoon it turns to 1300 1400 and so what you need to do when it gets into these numbers that you know you may not uh think are time related so 1300 if you subtract 12 that becomes one o'clock so that's an easy way to do it so our military also uses the 24-hour clock hospitals use the 24-hour clock um, so I just, that's something that I wanted to go over quickly. All right, so we're going to get into stuff. It gets a little muddy. We're going to go really deep into NATO because I think it's super important. Initially, we're going to talk about the UN, United Nations. The UN or the United Nations focuses on peacekeeping. There's 193 members, so not 193 countries a part of it. Their focus is on international law, human rights, the environment, and social progress. And that's all I'm really going to say about that at the moment. Next is the EU or the U European Union. They are an economic and political union between 27 European countries. Uh, it didn't start off as 27 countries. It has grown into that. But it started, the, the union started for economic growth after war, but has grown to cover many areas of government. And so they're kind of a unique union in that way. Um, and they're made up of just European countries. And so we're going to go deep into NATO because it's something that affects the U.S. directly. Not that the U.N. and E.U. don't. It's just that NATO really, NATO really affects the U.S. as it pertains to what's going on in Ukraine and with Russia, okay? So NATO is North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It was founded in 1949 by 12 countries that were concerned about the Soviet Union expansion. So that's why it was founded and established. It's a political and military alliance. The HQ is in Belgium and funding for operations is based on members' national income. Okay, so you might have remembered during the Trump administration talking about how 
we pay more than any other NATO members, we as in the US. And that's based off of our national income, right? It's because we have a huge economy. And so that's kind of where that stems from. NATO does not have its own military. The structure is that it utilizes its members' militaries in times of need. And so it, it parses together militaries and, and takes militaries and then goes to, you know, protect, defend, use preventative measures as the members see fit, okay? So currently, there are 30 members. They're mostly European, but U.S. and Canada belong. Something that you need to keep in mind is Ukraine and Russia are not members of NATO, and so NATO has an open door policy for any state that wants to join if the choice is independent. So what that means is they're not under duress, that the choice is the government's own to join NATO um, and has good reasons to join it. Right. And so once you decide that you want to join NATO, there are criteria that has to be met. So it's political, economic and military in nature. And so these criteria were published in 1995 and they are as follows functioning democratic political system based on a market economy, fair treatment of minority populations, a commitment to peaceful resolutions of conflict, the ability and willingness to make military contributions to NATO's operations, commitment to democratic civil military relations and institutional structures. And so obviously that uh, some of these things are hard to define, if you will, right? And hard to see if countries are really following them. So that's why membership is taken very seriously. And it's a whole process to be accepted into NATO. It does not happen overnight. And so in 2008, Ukraine's bid for membership was accepted by NATO. But there was an unspoken concern uh, about the tension between Russia and Ukraine. Most members wanted Ukraine to have a better relationship with Moscow, which is the capital of Russia, before joining, okay? The Bush administration wanted to proceed with their with Ukraine's membership uh, and had an action plan to get Ukraine to basically provide a pathway to Ukraine to get its membership. But a lot of members were still uh, reluctant, mostly because they didn't want to provoke Russia. Something that I want to make clear is Ukraine is still a growing democracy. They only got their independence in 1991. And so that's 30 years. That's 30 years that they've been independent. And so if you think back to the U.S., how long we've been independent, uh, we're still learning things as well. And so a 30-year democracy, there's still a lot of kinks to work out. And so they're still a growing democracy. They've had setbacks, obviously, for the past 30 years. And they've been under the USSR's and Russians, Russia's thumb for so long that they're getting, they're still trying to get their feet underneath themselves. But NATO recognizes that they are headed in the direction of membership. Just, it's a long ways off. And some members have been assisting, but they are not ready yet. And that has also, you know, been voiced. A question I want you to think about as well is, does NATO want to absorb a country that has unresolved conflict? And this is the reason why. There are two big things that NATO provides to its members. First is Article 4. Second is Article 5. And so Article 4, this deals with threats. NATO members will consult together if in the opinion of any of them, the territorial integrity, political independence, or security of any of the parties is threatened. Okay, so when Russia attacked Ukraine, Article 4 was invoked by Poland, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Okay, so Article 4 has been invoked. That means that the members have consulted, they've 
decided that territorial integrity, political independence, or security um, are being threatened by this. And so it has been invoked. Uh, the members have been talking. And this is what you hear the U.S. leaders talking about right now is that they have tried many diplomatic methods to talk to Russia and all have been unsuccessful. And so let's go ahead and talk about Article 5, which is the second big thing that NATO um, provides to its members. So Article 5 deals with attacks, right? So four is threats, five is attacks. So Article 5, how this works is members agreed that an armed attack against one of them will be considered an attack against all of them, that each of them will assist the parties attacked by taking any action deemed necessary, including armed forces. And so each member of NATO gets to decide how they respond. They get to decide what resources are sent. They get to decide how they can provide assistance that works for them as well as their NATO allies, okay? And so something I want to go back to, right? Ukraine and Russia are not NATO members. They are not afforded these protections because of this. The other thing that I want to talk about is Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania border Ukraine. Those are all NATO countries. There is the possibility that Russia can keep moving forward, keep moving west, and get into NATO um, territory, hurt a NATO ally, things like this can happen, right? And so this is why Article 5 is so important, is because, I'll just read it again, members agree that an armed attack against one of them will be considered an attack against all of them. We are allies. Questions I want you to ponder as we go through the rest of this information, and, and maybe this will help you to think about some of the information we just talked about, is the U.S. the world's police? I've heard a lot of people asking, why are why is the U.S. not responding with force? We should draw a line in the sand and be like, you know, go ahead, Russia, step over. We'll take you. I will not say that I doubt our military for one second. I will never say that because our men and women are the most courageous, brave people that I know. And so what I will say is our leaders need to utilize our men and women strategically. And so again, Ukraine is not a NATO member and is not afforded the protection of NATO. And so if the U.S. were to attack Russians in Ukraine, if we were to send troops over there, it would be the U.S. and Ukraine against Russia. If Russia were to attack a NATO ally, intentionally or unintentionally, it would be 30 NATO members and Ukraine against Russia. And so our government has already suggested that if Putin attacks an ally, the response will be overwhelming. And that is something that we need to keep in mind uh, when we think about or talk about or suggest the U.S. going to Ukraine and fighting, right? We are providing assistance as we see fit, and we have been sending resources as much as we can. But we also are taking preventative actions as Article 4 has been invoked. We are taking preventative actions and non-escalating actions to protect our NATO allies. And so we are getting prepared. So President Putin has suggested that the attack on Ukraine is part of restoring the former Soviet republics. And so three NATO members are former republics of the Soviet Union. If his main goal is to restore these Soviet republics, he will eventually, long-term vision, attack Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, because if that's the big vision, it's eventually going to happen. Obviously, there's no timeline for this, and momentum has been stalled in Ukraine due to the Ukrainian resistance. But that is something that I want you to really think about, is why the U.S. isn't responding um, with force, with armed force in Ukraine. These are some of the reasons why. Something I also want to say is NATO has condemned Russia's actions. Quote, 
grave violation of international law, violates Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, end quote. All measures they have taken um, are to protect the allies. Again, U.S. and the 30 other members have taken actions as Article 4 has been invoked. The threat of our allies' integrity has been threatened, and so they have been taking preventative measures uh, to protect our allies. I also want to say Article 5 has only been invoked one time, and that was after the 9-11 attacks. Going back, these are two big things I want you to remember. Article 4 deals with threats. That has been invoked in this situation. Article 5 deals with attacks. So that will be invoked if one of our allies is attacked. And this is why you don't see us sending military over to Ukraine uh, to help in a direct way at the moment. This is why having NATO countries bordering Ukraine is so essential right now because um, resources can be funneled to them and we can help them indirectly and you can look up um, there's many uh, ways to donate and um, just do your due diligence when looking at ways to help Ukraine right now okay I want to talk about the short long history of what's going on between Russia the USSR um, and Ukraine kind of what's been going on and so the majority of Ukraine became a part of the Russian Empire in the 1700s. I don't have the date written down. It has always, Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian people, Ukraine has always had its own identity, even inside of the USSR. After years of exploitation of their resources, as we know, they have fertile ground there. Ukraine declared their sovereignty in July 1990. In the commentary, Caitlin refers to this as the Granite Revolution, I'm pretty sure. This is something that you can look up as well. They've always had a revolutionary spirit, always wanted to be free. And its independence was gained August 1991. You'll notice that's the same year that Russia gained its independence. Um, Their independence was recognized by the world as well as um, Russia. And a large portion of the Soviet nuclear arsenal was actually in Ukraine. They agreed to give the weapons back to Russia if Russia agreed not to use the weapons to harm Ukraine. And so over the years, more and more Ukraine has strived to become more independent and democratic. Uh, and you can see that in their past history. Something that I said above is that, you know, they've had many setbacks. Uh, and that is because Russia uh, continues to pursue them and, uh, you know, they don't want to see them become a, a successful democracy. Russian forces invaded eastern Ukraine in 2014. It was claimed to be in defense for Russians who lived in that area. Uh, for Russians who don't support the new pro-Western government. You'll hear President Putin and a lot of uh, the Russians refer to as the U.S., NATO, all of us basically as the West. And so and anything pro-Western is uh, along that lines. If you want to know more about this revolution, there is, I think it's a movie on Netflix. It's called Winter on Fire. It talks about this three-month revolution. And so this invasion was used to claim part a part of Ukraine. Essentially, Russia took land in Ukraine and the international community does not recognize this annexation, which is basically the taking of land. But the territory claimed has been controlled by Russia since 2014. And so due to this, a war and fighting has been happening in this, basically this area that was annexed by Russian-backed forces and the Ukrainian government. And so there was a peace deal made in 2015, but the fighting has not stopped. It still persists. And so earlier before this 
invasion, current invasion, 2022 invasion, President Putin recognized these regions in Ukraine as the People's Republics, right? And so that's, he's basically trying to restore that USSR, right? Because of this, because of him recognizing these regions, uh, the US and allies started imposing more sanctions on Russia. If we want to get into what is Putin trying to do right now, okay? And so we're just going to go over some details and, um, talk about his demands, things like that. And so President Putin launched this attack on the 24th of February, 2022. President Zelensky, quote, we have severed diplomatic relations with Russia. Ukraine is defending itself and will not give up its freedom no matter what Moscow thinks, end quote. President Putin still views Ukraine and former countries that were a part of the Soviet Union as Russian. His long-term vision has always been to, quote, restore Russia to national greatness, end quote. Analysts have said Putin, he, doesn't want Ukraine to become successfully independent. There is a worry that a functioning, successful, prosperous democracy in Ukraine poses a direct threat to his rule because it will give people in Russia the idea that they too could enjoy what Ukraine enjoys and rise up against his rule. And so his demands before going into this invasion, into this war, uh, crisis, whatever you want to call it, his demands... And he wanted legal guarantees of the following, that NATO's military presence be reduced mainly in Poland, Romania, Hungary, and Slovakia, that Ukraine be denied joining NATO if NATO were to be allowed to join. That would be six NATO countries bordering Russia. President Putin has linked the current invasion, the current crisis, the current war to Russians' demands on NATO. He wanted them to stop expanding east. He accused the U.S. and NATO of ignoring him and blames the West for the crisis. Things I want you to keep in mind of the things we just talked about, right? So NATO, as we've discussed above, they don't have a military, right? Their structure is set up to take pieces of everybody's military, put it together, and use forces deemed necessary. It was made clear to Russia that Ukraine's membership wasn't going to happen, and Russia still decided to invade. Uh, it is believed that Russia is unlikely to attack any of the NATO allies, as that would mean a full-scale war, and we believe that he knows that. But from what we've seen, and, and if you want to hear a little bit more about Putin's thinking and his history, he's a pusher, if you will. <laughs> and so um, it is in his nature to keep pushing until he achieves a win for himself, whatever that looks like for him. So we've gone over a lot of information here. I encourage you to look up more information on your own. Like I said, I will post links to all of these quotes that I've had that I've pulled um, this information. I will I will post links so you can go do some reading on for yourself. I was listening to a conference with John Kirby, the United States Assistant to the Secretary of Defense for Public Affairs, and I just want to talk about a few things that he uh, mentioned, and I think that they're important to know. Russia started building their military up in the early fall, and that's kind of when these demands were made as well they have lost momentum due to ukrainians resistance but they still have substantial forces they have not taken any cities um, that they have wanted to take there is that large convoy that we've been hearing a lot about and seeing pictures of right as of right now we do not know the convoy's destination we know that the main goal or we assume that the main goal um, and when I'm saying we, I'm talking about the U.S. We assume that the main goal that President Putin has is to topple Ukraine's government. Uh, but Ukraine is putting up a strong defense. And, and most of 
most and all of the maneuvers that we've seen have been in defense to the aggression that's being brought to Ukraine. Russians' movements um, show that they're trying to use all avenues to surround Kyiv, but we don't know for sure. We can't assume Russia's motivations and what they're trying to do. All we know is that Russia views Ukraine as a security threat. Uh, U.S. knows that Ukraine was never an aggressor in this invasion. That is something that has been made very clear throughout many speeches. Uh, And so another thing that was asked, and, and this is something that I think is very important, is Americans that want to help should do so monetarily and with resources. All American citizens are being asked to stay out of Ukraine for their safety. That being said... You can do what you want, <laughs> but for your safety, for your family's safety, and for the citizens of of the U.S., um, you're being asked to stay out of Ukraine and to help in different ways as of right now. And so that's going to be it for what I have for you. Information-wise, please let me know if you have questions. Feel free to message me anytime. Uh, you know how to reach me. We have lots of public areas, to, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, this will be posted in our feed for as long as I deem it necessary to be. Uh, I might leave it there forever. I think it's that important. And so again, you can follow us everywhere at a AFLICKPOD, uh, A-F-L-I-C-K-P-O-D. I will be posting um, minimal information on there. Feel free to follow me on my personal page if you want uh, more personal information at A-S-H-H-O-P-9-4. Um, I will be posting a lot of information from Ukraine, updates, things like that. With that, many prayers to all of you. Much love to everybody. Stay safe out there.